My name is Anthony Capazzoli, and this is the Dismantled Life Podcast, where we share stories of hope, love, and strength from the darkness of addiction into the sunlight of sobriety. These are stories from people just like us who have lived through the pain and made it. No matter how bad it gets, just know that you can and will recover. It takes work. It takes hard work. Each week, we talk in detail about what it takes to make it, what it takes to beat your addictions. I am a recovering addict from alcohol, cocaine, and nicotine. My addiction started in eighth grade. I am now 50. I had over 40 years of very bad habits to break. I hit rock bottom hard. More than once, I nearly died. I would have left my wife and two young children behind. I've been clean and sober for nearly three years. I completely dismantled my entire life and rebuilt it from the ground up. I believe to make it in recovery, it takes a physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual approach. It takes a positive mindset. It takes hard work. It takes a village. Join me weekly to learn from my sober superhero guests on the Dismantle Life podcast. Subscribe and follow on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere you listen to your podcasts. Check me out at dismantle.life. Email me at anthony at dismantle.life anytime. Please be sure to leave a rating and review anywhere you listen to your podcasts. And let me know if you want to be on the show. Happy recovery. The day of the show is about hope. So people can listen and know that there are people just like them. Uh, they're, they're not as bad in terms, because a lot of people think no one can be like me. I I've by far have to be the worst at this. Um, so I like to let them know that they're in good or bad company, depending on how you want to look at it. And that there's hope in that. I, I really think that there, the hope comes from knowing that they're not alone and that people like you that come on the show and have the courage to tell their story is, I think, the source of the healing and the, 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 the strength to begin the process. Yeah. I've been saying it, I've been saying it for the last, you know, 10 plus years of being speaking, you know, it's like, you know, sharing saves lives. You know, your story, your story is going to help somebody sitting at home that feels alone because we all feel alone. Like we're the only one going through holy shit. What the fuck just happened to me? And you know, at the end of the day, it's like, holy shit, that guy, her, him, you, I'm not alone. Okay. I can ask for help today. Absolutely. And it takes the edge off of, um, then there's no shame or embarrassment. You can make that call or, or have the courage to pick yourself up and start start the day. I mean, yeah, so I, just little, little, a, I just had a twelve step call before I got on with you with uh, with my cousin. He's working through the steps. He's on step eleven right now. But you know, he's he's just doing a transition. And, you know, he's got three years sober and he's just he's learning how to learning how to date and stuff, right? So it's kind of interesting for me too, you know, because I, I I was I was I was that guy too. So um, you know, it's you know. R- r- just every stage of recovery is so beautiful. You know, it doesn't, and I now, you know, being with Ashley and getting to know Ashley at five months, right? Cause when I met Ashley, I was at 12 <laughs> years. So, you know, me at 12 years, her at five months. And I've always skated away from dating in the program because I didn't, I, I dated one person in the program and I was like, ah, oh, fuck, I don't want to do this. It's like, I'm on step two and you're step three and it's a big competition. Who's more clean? I got it for you. Right? That's how it was. And I was like, holy, is this what, is this what dating and recovery? Yeah. You're like, like, holy shit, there shouldn't be an app for this. This is terrible. Exactly. I'm just going to stay at the hookers because I don't have to deal with this shit. You don't pay for the sex, you pay him to leave. Get out of here. uh, So anyways, right. So then I, then I, then I realized like being with Ashley, like, 
how early recovery, like what, you know, because it'd been so, it's been a long time. I've been at this journey, you know, for a long time. So I forgot about, not, I forgot, I forgot about what it was like to like, you know, put your shoe on, tie your shoelace, <laughs> stand up, yeah, you know, that kind of thing. Or when you first got that feeling and you're like, Oh fuck, what is that? I don't like that. I'm going to go right. hide in my tent and sleep for a day. What is that? Yeah. This isn't how it's supposed to be today. Yeah. You I totally get it. It wasn't like this. You lied to me. What you said, feelings, no feelings. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and just like everyday life and, you know, cause my recovery is much different than, and, and anybody, you know, I, I just, I do my recovery the way I've done my recovery and it's been open and honest, uh, anywhere and anywhere I can share. That's how my recovery has been. I, I, I have, a, you know, I don't do a lot of meetings. I have a lot of meetings with people throughout the day. So I don't physically go to a meeting every night. I have a meeting every single day with somebody or multiple people. And, um, so, you know, my recovery is much different in the aspect of, you know, accepting and knowing that I'm the addict. So because I'm the addict and alcoholic, I can't tell people to stop drinking. That's not my duty. They got to figure out if they, you know, and so I always dated people that weren't in the program. So they drank or they used or whatever. And that's their business because they didn't have a problem. And I was like, yeah, hey, well, I can do this. And then I realized, you know, um, you know, that wasn't the right route either because they could never understand what my anxiety, my depression, my everything, right? Like, so yeah, it's, it's, uh, my wife still drinks in, in, and that's fine, but, but, but she, she wasn't like me, you know? And I say that where she could have a glass of wine or two every three or four months and, and not end up in the garage ripping lines of cocaine until 5 a.m. Yeah. And then for five days and then <laughs> exactly. your clothes and going, fuck, I need more. Yeah. <laughs> and then oh, if we open the garage, it looks like a fucking kiss concert with the cigarette yeah. smoke rolling yeah. out and all that shit. So honestly, but, and it's, and, and we have actually alcohol in the house and, and it doesn't bother me because I've just put the shit down, man. I mean, and, and I, and that's not to say that I don't, I have to work hard every day and to, to stay clean and I put the time in and, and, but when guests come over, I want to be able to offer them a beer or a glass of wine or something. And we have that. And my wife has a drink or two and she still smokes. And sometimes I wonder, like people ask, how do you do it? And I'm like, you know, I, I just, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I just, I just put it down. I was just done. And because if, if you've heard my episode is episode one is my story. And, um, and I was in the hospital for 11 days. I, the doctor told me on day three that you're, you're not going to make it like you're done and get your shit together. You're, you're, finances from an insurance perspective, you're not going to make it out of here. And I did. And I did make it out, obviously, because we're here talking. But the point is, I that so on the way in, that was day three, on the way into the hospital, I I obviously didn't have any, any drugs or alcohol or cigarettes because I was on the way to the hospital or in the hospital and was in the hospital for 11 days. So on technically my fourth day was when I hung it up. Like, I, I just, you're going to die. That's a pretty big slap in the face. And I just said, okay, like I, I have children and this, this isn't my episode, but the point is when people ask how you do it, you, you just have to find whatever it is in you that makes you put it down. And then even the, even the worst days, I mean, and I still have them, the cravings like everybody, I'm not going to say that I don't, but the, I, I just think about the, those moments and it, and I can put it back down again. Well, the worst days in recovery don't even equal the worst days out there, right? So <clears throat> that's that's how I look at it. So the worst day in recovery <laughs> doesn't beat any day out there, right? So I can 
as long as I can get through today and it's D-A-Y instead of D-A-Z-E, um, you know, everything is okay. And, uh, yeah, you're right, man. Like, it's just. It's good, man. And I, uh, well, first of all, I thank you both very much for coming on the show. And I'm dying to hear both of your stories. So I thought maybe we can, I'll let you decide how we could kind of go through this and maybe frame this up for the listeners. Because we have, uh, this is our first I'm going to say this, and I don't. I it almost came out in a bad way. The first th- three way, but that's not what I meant. <laughs> <laughs> and it just almost kind of like came out in a weird way. And, but what I'm saying is like a nice conversation with two guests in me. Still doesn't sound good. <laughs> you know what I mean. Um, which which is interesting. And I, so we got connected on Facebook because yeah, right. of our mutual friend. Sober is the new cool. Oh yeah, she's she's. Uh, so at first, I it, it was it was Sarah from Sober is Gratitude. I got her grateful shirt on today, but you know I did. She she kind of she reached out to me back long in April and stuff like that, and then ever since then, then Kim came along, and then it's like, oh hey, who's this Anthony guy? And I you know I was like, I gotta, see him. and so then it just kind of like you know. It's kind of funny is like uh, I put the gas, I put the foot foot on the pedal when it comes to, to, uh, it seems like I put the foot on the pedal when it comes to really talking and sharing around this time, because my clean date is February 11th. So I'm always doing a lot of speaking like, and this year I'm not because of COVID-19, but yeah. I'm doing a lot of speaking between like September and December and January. That's like my allotted time where I do a lot of public speaking. And uh, it just, it always seems like, not that I'm not doing recovery all the time, but it just always seems like that allotted. It's like the time building up till I got clean, I just feel so fucking grateful that I just need to like give back more and more and more and more and more uh, in that allotted time. And uh Meeting Ashley obviously really helped things out here because now mm-hmm. it's the recovery couple. And, you know, I always, yeah. always wanted, you know, she's never, so this is her first podcast. So this is like you're popping the cherry. So if you want to talk three way. Um, so the, 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 the fact of the matter is, is that uh, this is her first podcast. So I'm really excited for her that she's, you know, cause we've done 33, lives, yeah. 33 lives now on um, the recovery couple. So every Sunday night, uh, we only missed one week uh, in 33 weeks. So we've done 33 consecutive weeks, you know, of, yeah. of getting on there, sharing, talking about something in recovery, uh, you know, got 700, 800 followers on there. How did you get started with the recovery couple live on on Facebook? Because I, first of all, I, I fucking love it. I think it's great. Um, I love that because it's interactive um, you, you, and you're putting yourself out there, man. I, and I, what I love about it is the, is the guts it takes to do it the first time because nobody's watching yet. And I think that there's some magic in that. I really do. I think that's just, that's really cool. And, and cause you're doing it because you love doing it, you know, like nobody's Nike's not sponsoring you. You know what I mean? It's not something like that. You're doing it because it's pure and it's, it's from the heart and the soul. And I love that. So please tell me more about that and let the listeners know a what it is and how to find you so that they can tune in because I think it's, it's magical. So Ashley, we're going to do something. It's called the recovery couple. And I've been thinking about it for, uh, well, we were together. What? A month? Uh, no, not very long. Not very long. <laughs> 
you know, I, and I was just like, okay, let's do this thing called the recovery couple because we're both in recovery. Uh, you know, finally I have a girl that's in recovery that can, you know, be the beacon, can be the voice, can be the reason, can be the inspiration, can be the story. And what I really, 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 really loved is that she was young in recovery. So, you know, not saying that my story isn't great, but fuck, I've been around for a while. So people are like, oh, that guy's fucking chirping again. You know, fuck, there's chef recovery and what the, you know, that shit. But so I was like, oh, I got some new blood with me. Right. So I got some new I got some new young blood just in recovery and these stories and this is fresh and she doesn't know what she's going through. And I'm going to tell her what we're going to talk about. And and uh, I was like, and now we can actually like, you know what, instead of just being chef recovery, going out there and sharing my story. And I love sharing my story. I have another person that can share her story that can go help even more people. But more importantly, she can help herself while she's helping other people and mainly females to show females that they're not alone. I have a lot of females that reach out to me because females will reach yeah. out to males and males will reach out to females because males don't want to reach out to males most of the time because mm-hmm. that's a signature of weakness. Well, yeah, if you're asking for help, that's not a weakness. That's a strength. <clears throat> so, so I was like, okay, we're going to do this. And she's like, I've never done a live before. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, well, here we're going live. Click. <laughs> yeah. And if you just dive in, it, you forget that you're even live. Like just like right now, like the difference between right now, think about that. And five minutes ago, or 15 minutes we started, did, now we're just talking. You're not even thinking about any of it, except now that I just reminded you that we're, that we're recording. But, but yeah, I think ripping it off like that is the best way to go. And the one thing I tell people is the, the key to success in recovery is be comfortable being uncomfortable. Meaning when, you're, when your knee-jerk reaction is to say no to something, we'll say yes. Unless, of course, it's to a drink or something. But but you know what I mean? Like I, I always make it a point to engage in things that I wouldn't know. I would not at when I was using or drinking what I would engage in. And I try to put myself in the position to, as Tony Robbins puts it, um, take the first step before it becomes old in your mind kind of thing. And, and so I love just ripping it off like that and diving in and to hell with it. If everything is perfect and the Instagram is up and all that bullshit, none of it matters. Just get out there and do it because you love it. That was that was it, right? Because I knew she had never done this before. And for me, I just hit the camera and talk, right? So for me, I, I whatever, I don't care. People, I, it doesn't bother me. So uh, I've done it so many times. So, um, you know, so I was just like, okay, let's do this. And then all of a sudden it was like, okay, I'm going to invite people to this. Maybe people are going to want to watch. Maybe, I don't know. You know, because I was like, oh, there's almost 900 people at sh- on my chef recovery page. And, you know, my fresh, my business, fresh water cuisine, we got over 1400 people over there. And, you know, I was trying to do this other cooking show and I had this other cooking show. And, I, you know, so I was like, OK, well, I've got a pretty good following. And, and I was like, well, you know, I got three to five, you know, 10,000 people, you know, regularly checked around and stuff. And that, that's hard work to get to 10,000. Like it's not so just to level set for people. It does not happen overnight. It takes a very long time to get to a hundred, let alone 10,000. So just to put people in the, in the right frame to, especially in, and here's one thing I do want to point out, chef, that I think is amazing is that it took balls to change the dynamic of what you talked about in different aspects of your life to talk about recovery and to talk about that in a way that could very well have threatened your livelihood in other ways. And I, I commend you for that because that, that sir is really amazing. 
So for the listeners, you can check us out on on Facebook. We're there, you know, the Recover Cup because we have a page on Facebook. Uh, we do go live on Sundays. And what time, uh, what time on Sundays? I I like to say seven ish. I'm never early for anything. <laughs> no, I totally. <laughs> like, oh my God, Anthony wants me on at eight. I don't know if I can do this at eight. Oh, <laughs> like, Anthony, I'll be there eight ish. You know, but here's the thing, Broski. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. So I'll show up early for something, and people shit their pants. They're like. You're early. What are you doing early? What are what you early? Yeah. What's wrong with you? Are you okay? I'll show up late. Hey, Jay, how you doing? What's going <laughs> yeah, on? Totally hey, normal. Totally normal. Yeah, I'm just like, why the fuck do I show up early? Because like people are like, like fuck they fuck. get panicked. Yeah, yeah. they're like, oh Jesus like, Christ, am I late? Am I late? Yeah. <laughs> well, so, you know, um, it's. I think yeah, that. So, uh, so go ahead. So it's on Sundays, seven. Yeah. Ish. So seven. What time zone? Ish. Because seven p.m. It's seven p.m. Central. I do have seven Central. Ish. I have my um, dad every second week, so that's why I say the seven ish. Uh, so so every second week, I have my daughter Destiny. Um, so that's where the seven ish comes from. But um, and uh, so you know, I was just like, okay, actually, we're gonna do this, and uh, I'm gonna show you a new way of recovery. I'm going to show you not the traditional way of going to meetings, doing the, yes, that's great. Doing the steps. Yes. You need to do the steps. You need to get the foundation. You need to get the concrete. You need to get the pillars. You need to get, you need to do the 90 and 90. Yes, 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 yes. But you also need to get a life. So recovery, you need a life. Now, if your life is going to meetings all the time, that's great. That is your life. I support that. God bless you. For me, I need more than that. I need, I need fulfillment. I need satisfaction. I need, uh, I need a purpose. I need a meaning. I need. I, I want to help. So I was like, "Okay, let's go." <laughs> and so it was interesting as I watched our first episode uh, two days ago, and uh, Ashley was really <laughs> cute. <laughs> so what was interesting is now I watch her. And I'm going to let her talk about what she thinks about the recovery couple and, and uh, stuff like that, because, um, you know, for her, I think it's been a turning point for her, which, which I, I really, I really did it for her. If you want me to be completely honest, I, I did it for her to show her that there's all kinds of support out there. You may not know somebody and you could be helping them and they could be helping you. You know, because there's been a lot of times where, you know, I was in a dark hole or I was in a bad place or I wanted to use and, you know, I'd be open and honest saying, you know what, fuck this, I'm done. And, you know, I'd see a message come through on my Facebook or on my Twitter or on my my Instagram or, and that one message with the person I don't even know saved my life. You know, that's, that's a little added bonus about you talk about how long it took to build uh, an audience. The audience that I built was built by me self-promoting and marketing myself, nobody helping me do that. I did that all on my own and, and built the logos through my, my buddy, Chris, who's a tattoo artist. And, you know, I did it, uh, I'm a self-promoter. And yeah, self-promoters yeah. are the best because they understand what a grind is. They understand what life is. They understand, um, like I was telling her, I don't think I could ever work for anybody ever again. Like, I've, it's been six years me working for myself. Like, they're like, Fuck, mm. show up at nine o'clock in the morning? I don't know. <laughs> you want me to make you, want me to make you uh, money? You want me to make you rich? I can't do that. In the industry, and I say the industry, anyone that's worked in hospitality at any capacity, there that is that lifestyle is a fucking grind and it's it's riddled with alcoholism and drug abuse because we work I worked in it for years, my wife works in it, I've ran clubs and bars and restaurants and all of that stuff. 
And I say that because people don't realize what goes on when the doors close, so to speak, and how many hours it takes to go from open to close, deal with all the insanity throughout the day. Everything is a fire. Nothing is smooth or planned. And then all that aside, you're, you're literally working 14-hour days, six days a week, seven days a week, If you know, who knows? And then it's hellfire. And then you all go to after hours and get shit-faced, get two hours of fucking sleep, rip a line of cocaine, and go back to fucking work. So it's, you know, it's a lot. And I, you know, that's not everybody's story. That was a lot of my story. So I'm, 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 I'm projecting a little bit, but there's a lot of people listening that come from the industry and, and every industry has got that kind of story, right? I'm not saying that it's exclusive to hospitality, but hospitality, because you're around the alcohol and the okayness of drinking on the job and, or whatever, not every place. Well, that's, like that. how, that's how you get through, right? And like, that's just how you get through it. And that's how chef recovery was really born was, you know, I got to, you know, this industry needs, needs more sober people. Definitely. Uh, <laughs> right? yes. so, you know, no and, doubt. Well, and it's not normal, right? When you, you don't even start work at, when I was in the bar, bartender, I mean, I didn't even start work sometimes when I was in the downtown, like until fucking midnight, didn't get off. I wasn't walking out of there till the sun was up, yeah, know. you know, and then I would go drink. So Ashley, I'm actually really interested to hear your take. How long have you been sober? Uh, 14 months. Um, yesterday. Like, yes. 14 months yeah. yesterday. I love yeah. that. That's awesome. It really is. And, and the yeah. fact that you're giving back all, I'm not going to say already because 14 months is 14 months. That's hard work. But giving back at 14 months is really wonderful. So I commend you for that. I, I do. And then ripping off the Band-Aid and diving into a live <laughs> podcast and then your first podcast and all that. Yeah, this doesn't seem so bad. Um but doing uh, the recovery couple was absolutely, I was scared to get this. <laughs> I was like, what am I getting myself into? Like, is this what I'm doing? You yeah. know, and I literally would be like this and I would just kind of pee, you know, and laugh. <laughs> You're like, I don't want to talk right now. Um, even like talking, I wouldn't, when I started, I wouldn't like, I wouldn't, I would just try to think about what I was going to say instead of actually just saying what I needed to say, yeah. um, which, you know, I've come a long way with that. Uh, I, I just talk now. Um, you know, sometimes I stumble and that's okay, but totally. when I started, it was scary. And, and, and like Jay said, I didn't realize, you know, I have, you know, young women who reach out to me now and it's like, what? You know, people want to hear what I have to say and people, well, you know, just respect the, just what I have to say. Just a picture of you, you 14 months yesterday, you know, 900 people, yeah, 900 I, people viewed yeah, that picture yesterday, 14 months, 900 people. That's I, so I great. I know that many people, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's crazy to think that, that this that's me, that's my life now. Um, I would have never, ever dreamt 14 months ago that this is where my life would be today, that I would be having a conversation with you, you know, let alone, you know, there's times I didn't know if I'd be here, you know, yeah. Oh, yeah. which is I'm, I'm so grateful for um, to be able to have this opportunity. But it, it, it's been a journey for sure. And 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 I, you know, I, I thank Jay for it every day now that, you know, I do it and, and it's to help me in in all aspects of my life you know not just um just not my recovery but my everyday life you know yeah. so um, through my work through through you know raising my kids you know just everything so I, i'm i'm truly truly grateful for it but it was very scary and it's like ripping the bandaid off but i've grown a lot um you know uh, you know every day i grow and you know i i think differently now um than what i did 14 months ago or even when i started this um 
processing so much. Yeah, it, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing where I'm like, oh my God, what am I going to say? Oh my God, oh my God, I'm going to sound silly. You know, like I was just like, I was like, it was just a roller coaster over and over. And, yeah. and now I just go and, and whatever happens, happens. And that's okay. Well, I say, hey, what do you want to talk about tonight? Like, like you yeah. pick what you want to talk about and then she picks and, yeah. you know, we talk about what she wants. Where it was like always... I was always driving the bus, right? Like I've always been the guy that drives the bus because I'm, you know, I'm a leader and, and yeah, you are. I, I like, you know, that's just who I am. Mm-hmm. Right. So I drive the bus and, uh, you know, I'm like, okay, it's, it's time to, it's, it's time to get in the passenger seat now. And then just, it's okay to sit in the passenger seat and allow this to do this organic growing, yeah. um, through through her you know because i got the following now she's got a little bit of a following and now it can organically grow through her and and um you know it's it's a beautiful thing to see now she's helping other women and she's helping other guys and and i've done like my own couple lives all by myself too which is like i was really proud of myself because and i got like almost i don't even know like 700 views i'm like the one in the truck the one one, when i bought my (laughs) truck i was in getting my massage and she went and did a live in the truck i'm sitting in this brand new truck doing this live by myself and i'm like what the fuck did she just do (laughs) anyways and i'm like because i'm like holy shit did she just go there did she is that ashley yeah it was pretty cool it fucking made me cry i was like well how like i'm like and you know because when you're sitting there and you're just like you're listening you're not listening to anything else you you know it's about being in the moment and when you're in that moment of just like okay i've watched this person go from here to here to here to here to here to here to now here and i'm like oh like this is the most beautiful thing i've ever seen not not for myself but for other people to see that guess what you're not alone you're not alone this girl you know 14 months this girl like if she can do it, you can do it. Mm-hmm. Right? No, yeah. if you can do it. You can do it. You may look at me and go, "Fuck, you're at 13 years. I can't get there." I remember doing that. I remember being in. I remember getting out of jail the last time I got busted and going to detox. And this guy, you know, he was he was he was three years clean and sober. And I was like, "Fuck, you don't have wine on Sunday with God, you fucking liar, you!" Right? And that's what I'm saying. He's like, "Oh, three years, no drugs, no." Fuck, don't lie. <laughs> right? That's why I was like, fucking bullshit. What am I in this detox for? Anyway? You fuck, let me out of here now. Right? That's how it was. Well, here I sit, you know, coming up <laughs> on 15 years going, hmm, I haven't had a drink or a touch of drugs myself. I think that the beauty lives in the transformation right? In the steps of the transformation. And the real beauty is in the process of that. Like it never ends. And I, and I think that that, and I don't want to use kind of an on point metaphor, like a butterfly, but people understand that. And what I'm trying to say is that first of all, when you, when you're on the outside looking in, because you're still active, you're like, I'm, I can't even get a fucking day. And then you find someone that has 14 months and puts it out there and helps people. And then that gives somebody hope. And then somebody that's got you know, a year in says, I'm never going to make it to two years. And then they find someone like you that's got 13 years in, and then that gives them hope. And then the transformation is putting in the work. As soon as the work doesn't become, it, it needs to be forefront, but it also, it doesn't need to suck. Like, and I try to explain to people that it doesn't have to suck, like find things that you love and do that. Like, and, and I commend you both for finding a way to embrace your recovery in your own way and help others so that it's, it doesn't suck. And I, and I dig that. See, the, I think that there's, that's the magic. That's where the beauty lies in the transformation for me. And I've met people that 
they live because they just like to be sponsors. They don't, they don't even, they, I've been told I don't want to come on the show. That's not what I like to do. And that's fine. But I love that people know that. And that's, that's where the beauty is. And I feel bad sometimes about my show because I get more out of my show and my intention is to help others, but I get more out of it. I think than my listeners do, or my guests when they come on the show, because I so much love that portion of me coming, like going out in helping others. At least I hope it helps others. I mean, I've gotten some good feedback. You know, if I look back at how my life was so dysfunctional, I, I was actually born Jay Corey. So I wasn't born Jay Barnard. Transitioned my mom, you know, nasty divorce. Dad disowned me. You know, the whole thing there where, you know, now, you know, don't have that father you know, because as a guy, you always want to look up to your fathers. And if your father isn't there, it's just, it's like that empty void of like never acceptance, right? Like you never feel accepted. Yep. So I was Jay Corey and my mom got remarried, Jay Barnard. But that's when addiction kind of really started for me. I, you know, I got addicted to food and I, I gained all this weight. So, you know, I went up to 220, 200, you know, at a young age, nine, 10 years old. And I found comfort in eating food. I found comfort in, ah, right, pain gone, oh, fuck, pain back, more food, ah, more food. Right? Like that's what I felt that at nine, right? Like, hell, I got to kill this pain. Like, fuck, I, I got to, you know, like calling another guy dad when I didn't want to do it. And I just wanted my own dad. My dad disowned me. And, you know, being the, the, the last kid picked on the on the teams and in school because I was a fat kid. So nobody would want me because I was like not this all star and stuff that really messes you up going into your young adult life and teenage life. And, you know, a lot of people don't want to talk about this, but I'm wide open after after food came porn. And, you know, that I got lost. I got lost and it messed up relationships because of porn. And but it took me away from because the food was no longer killing the pain. Mm -hmm. I found a new outlet was sex and distorted sex. So, you know, you leave the food, you go to the sex. And this is at like 10, 11 years old, 9, 10, 11 years old. And, and now you've got this distorted mind and, and what's going on in a relationship. And you're looking at things differently and you're going, what the, right? But you're not thinking about the pain because it was always about the pain. How do I get rid of this pain? I need to get rid of this pain, pain, pain. Why pain? Why pain me? Why do I fucking get this pain? Why doesn't anybody else have, everybody else has this pain. They're just dealing with it differently. Right. But as a kid, you don't know how to talk about that because, you know, A, you're scared. B, you don't know what you're doing. You're going through all these transformations, blah, 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 right? Mm-hmm. Then that's that's when the, that's when the alcohol came at, at 11 and 12 years old when I had my first drink. And, and that's when I fell in love. And it was just, I you know, when you take the first sip and you can't stop and you're always looking for more, you know, you got a problem. So I was never addicted to the drugs. I was never addicted to, you know, the booze. I was addicted to more. It had nothing to do with the cocaine, had nothing to do with the whiskey, had nothing to do with the beer, had nothing to do with anything, it had to do with more. I need more. To- One's good. More has got to be better. I, I get that, dude. Can I ask you a question about the porn? I, I wonder today when I was growing up, porn was hard to come by. You maybe stumbled across it in dad's closet or under the bed or whatever the fuck it was, but it was a magazine and it was, it was a physical thing. It was, it was, you know what I mean? So you and your buddies looked at the at playboy, whatever the hell it was. It was just, it was harder to come by, but now for God's sake, man. I mean, it's a, you could literally access it anywhere privately for a moment, a quick second in the back. I mean, it's nuts. So I wonder how many more people are addicted and don't know it because they're compulsively looking at it. And because of its accessibility, um, it's it's got to be a bigger problem than than people realize. And I, I'm not pointing any fingers, but my goodness, it's got to be crazy. Well, what what I noticed too is like with with uh, with uh, people that I help, uh, it, it's one of it's one of their addictions. You know, what I noticed back, you know, 30 years ago is when the satellite dish came, 
when the satellite dish came, it just, you know, you know, the big satellite dish and all of a sudden sure. all these channels and it's like, holy shit, where did all these porn channels come from? Now mm-hmm. I'm not in dad's closet. Now I have this range of like, Debbie does Dallas 900 ways. What the hell happened here? And uh, <laughs> right. So at the end of the day, it's just like, um, okay, like how do I get out of this? Right. And, and, you know, so it, it was interesting because more became more, but then I realized you know, when I picked up the drugs, if I sold the drugs, I could be popular. I wasn't getting the attention from the women because of the size I was. But once I knew that I could have drugs and I could control the situation with more. So if I could control the situation with more and get that person all fucked up, that means I can dictate what goes on. Now, essentially, I'm getting what I want, what I saw. So the distorted mind that was through that and that continued for, you know, I, I used straight on. I used hard um, you know, when I was 15 years old, I, 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 so 1995, 15 years old, I was on my snow machine and I was running open water and I sunk my snow machine. I was clinically dead for a minute and a half. I remember watching all fucked up <clears throat> and we came across the water coming back. My ski hit some open water and it, water got in my clutch and I went down. And, um, I remember like, I remember seeing the light and them yelling, where are you? And, and uh, it was the first time they got the life raft. And anyways, they threw the life raft. The cop had to jump in and grab me in. And, you know, they're like, are you okay? Are you okay? But I was in such, uh, I was in such um, hypothermia. Like I was pulling my skin and I thought my skin was like, it was insane. And I remember getting on the, on the raft. And then all of a sudden I just saw this light that like the light when you're dying. I don't know if anybody's ever been there before, but I've been there a few times and there's just this, you going so fast towards this light. It's just like, and you're just like, it's like your whole life is just like flashing before you. And so I I was dead for a minute and a half and I came to in the hospital and my mom was over top of me. And I said, mom, I didn't want to die. Anyways, they released me out of the hospital four hours later. And after that, I really hit the drugs hard (laughs) and uh, turned, I turned to like the, all the hard drugs. And uh, you know, I had a, I had a 10 year run of selling drugs before I got busted. I, I'd make that's a long run for never getting busted. That's a hell of a long run. I was the guy I ran the schools. I ran Beaver Brain. I ran TA. I was the guy. I, uh, I was, you know, my, my uncle was the president of the Hells Angels. And, uh, you know, I, that's what I did. I, I made money. I used money and I used drugs and alcohol to get what I wanted. And, uh, and you had protection already built yeah, in. Yeah, I had protection built in. And why do you think you transitioned into harder? more aggressive use after the near death experience. Do you ever think about why that would, why that was? I, I think I couldn't accept the fact that I had died. Talk about a transitional moment. My God, that that's uh that's hard. At first I was just like, I couldn't believe that it happened. And then I was like, Holy shit, I'm only 15. So what happened is, you know, Kenora, the city all of a sudden had us going around school to school, speaking about the experience that we went through. So I was like 15 years old, sharing this story of us running open water and, so can you help me understand that when you say running open water, I'm assuming by snow machine, you mean a snowmobile. Yep. Yeah. It, so forgive me for, for my ignorance on that. And then when you say open water, what, what do you mean by that? No, no ice, just water. <laughs> so we were on ice and then it just becomes water. And it's just like, we're running water to the Island. And, uh, you could do that. Uh, well, you, you can, it's very <laughs> dangerous. <laughs> Never have occurred to me. 
it's one of those stupid things you do as a kid, right? But then when you get all plastered and high, it's like, how much farther can you go out? How much farther can you push the sled? How much far? It's like using. How much farther can I snort? How much more can I snort before my nose blows up? How much more can I smoke before my head blows up? How much more can I drink before my liver decides to go? How much more can I put in my arm with the needle? How much, right? It's the same thing. And what I what I didn't realize then, I was addicted to more from the minute I came out of the womb. It didn't fucking matter. I was addicted to more when I came out of the womb because I was in pain the minute I came out of the womb. And the reason I was in pain is because I didn't have my father there. I didn't. I had that abandonment issue right out of the gate. And my mother was, you know, God bless my mother. I love my mother and, and she's an amazing person. We've been up and down and all around. And But she's never left my side. She's always been there. She's always mm-hmm. loved me. She, you know, she came to jail. She gave me canteen money. She, you know, that lady has seen a lot of shit, but she never left my side. And she always said, Jay, you're going to be somebody someday. Just please get help. What, what was the day you're like, I've had enough. I'm done with this shit now. 13 years ago. So, well, I think it's important to talk about 2005. I want to talk about 2005. 2005, I owned, uh, so I got busted a few times with uh, per, uh, the purpose of trafficking cocaine and the intent back in my early 20s. And did some jail time, and then I did geographical cure. You know, like, I'm going to do this move, and I'm going to be this good person over here. Believe me, <laughs> no matter where you go, like, there yeah. you are. It's like, yeah. it's like Jay's moving with Jay, so Jay's going to do Jay shit. What the fuck? <laughs> it doesn't matter where you are, right? Fucking, I'm going to find another Anthony. That's easy to do. Yeah, no fucking doubt. The geographical cure is a really good way to put it because that that's really what happens. You're like, if I move from if I move from here to there. Things are going to be fine. No, you're just going to do the same shit over there with new yeah. people. Are you, are you landing in the drunk tank? They might have a mattress or they might have a cement pad. That's how that deal went. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, so the, you know, so, so I, I got myself into this business called, you know, I got into network marketing. So, you know, you talk about being a chef and how fucked up that world is. Network marketing is the same thing, right? Like network, you know, I'm in network marketing right now as well. I love network marketing just because I talk to people all day. Right. But so anyways, I get into this business called DS max. Uh, you know, I do this, I started in Sudbury. Uh, I transferred to, to, because I pissed off the boss. They're like, we don't want you anymore, but they saw something in me, right? They saw something in me before I saw anything in me. They're like, Jay, you're top sales guy. Like you're somebody get the fuck your shit together, dude. Like you're doing a million dollars in sales. What is wrong with you? I'm like, oh, it's only a million dollars. Who can do a million dollars door to door knocking? Who can do that? Who can sell a fucking ice like I used to Not take crayons, I used to take crayons and books and had to Hey, get over here, nineteen ninety nine, I gotta over the same price. Your wife's high, your kids are high, come on, gotta go, twenty bucks go, come on, right? <laughs> so that's, the that's just how it was. But I didn't realize, right? So I got top sales guy, they moved me to Oshawa, I get again, go to Hamilton, now I find go to Hamilton. I I, I end up, you know, you find heroin in Hamilton and I, you know, like that one just robbed me of everything, stealing purses and off little old ladies. And anyways, and then, then I get promoted and, and I, I top sales guy again, still doesn't sink in. Then I get myself into Barry top sales guy again. And, and this time I'm just like so self-centered, selfish and, and just egotistical. I lose it all. I lost it all. And, and I found myself at a place of, uh, you know, wanting to kill myself. Uh, as I didn't find a purpose for life, I, I thought it was a shit, shit stain on society. I, I, I thought my family didn't love me. I had no friends around me. I became abusive in the relationship I was in. She left me, um, you know, and, and I made a conscious decision. I remember it was a Wednesday and, uh, and, um, I, I went and I said, okay, Friday, I'm going to take my life. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, when you go through that process, 
because it's a process of like, okay, I got to be here. I got to do this. I got to do that. And I got to make this happen. I, I, I went to and saw this girl and, and took these, these green pills and I snorted one and, and swallowed the rest. <clears throat> Anyways, the girl that I had seen was seen. She, she was gone for two weeks. She found me in a pile of black puke, barely breathing on the doorstep. I had overdosed. You know, they rushed me to the hospital and they charcoaled me and brought me back to life. And, and I'll tell you, you know, the worst feeling, the worst feeling in life is when you wake up after trying to kill yourself going, what the fuck do I have left? Like, I just failed at killing myself. If I've already failed at life, what do I got left? Like, what do I have left? <clears throat> they let me out of the hospital three days later. I'm going to go announce a crack and uh, a 60 ounce or I, and I tried hanging myself down in this basement. I actually had the rope and I put my head in going this time, this time, this time. And I was up on charges of driving while under suspension for the fifth time and looking at a year in, in the Penetang Penitentiary in Barrie, Ontario. I just kept going this time, this time, this time. And at nine o'clock, I turned myself into the Barrie police station and uh, I got a year in prison. I did nine months. Jail saved my life that time. Right. And uh, I tried killing myself back to back times and I wasn't successful. So that was 2000 and uh, 2005. For the next three years, I just self-sabotaged myself right up until 2008, uh, January 7th. I got busted. Possession of purpose of trafficking cocaine for the fifth time. I was looking at five years in prison. The judge wasn't there. It was the justice of the peace, and the justice of the peace let me out on all these conditions. And I was like, holy fuck. It, God, are you real? Like, Because I was going to church, and I was like, fuck, dude, this is no, this is not right. Anyways, and so I stopped drinking January 7th, 2008. That was the last time I had a drink. I used right up until February 10th, 2008. But in that month... I, I, uh, I remember being in jail before, you know, before I, I went to court that, that day and going, like, is this all I have? Like, I'm 27 years old. Like, do I want this for my whole entire life? Cause I used to treat jail. Like it was like a, a vacation. I, I would hoop drugs and I'd sell drugs in jail. That's fuck. The inside life was the same as the outside life for me. There was no change. Is this, is this it? You don't have a bank account. You're in debt. You don't have any family. You, you got no, you got no job. You got nothing, man. Like anyways. And then I got out and then I went and saw a counselor and uh, she said, you got one house left on the block, which is treatment. And I was like, uh, okay. The Salvation Army Boost Center in Ottawa, all men's Anchorage program. February 11th, 2008, I started the journey. I remember landing at the airport in uh, Ottawa because I'd never been to a treatment center before, and I saw an Arby's. And I was like, fuck, I better eat three hamburgers. Probably going to not get anything in the treatment center. They're going to feed me fucking pea soup. I know them bastards. That's what they're going to do. <laughs> right? And I'm like, fucking, I'm just chawing down the burgs, and I'm like, what's treatment all about? I'm just going to take some, some Oxycontins and sleep for four months, and... You know, somewhere through it all, I just managed to, to you know, it was about three months, 90 days, right? D-A-Y, not D-A-Z-E. Um, I'd, I'd given, like, I was just like, fuck, I can't handle this anymore. So I went down to this this pool hall and I was going to drink. But, but the problem was, is I knew I, I knew I was the problem. So if Anthony said, hey, Jay, you want to drink? Fucking right to do. Anthony, you made me relapse, right? Fuck, point blame. That's how that went. Yeah. yeah. Right? I, I, that's it. <clears throat> and anyways, I did that. First night did that. The second night, third night, nobody asked me the first two nights. Third night, I went up and asked for a beer. And out of the corner of my eye, I saw a bus 11. 
and bus 11 took me to the treatment center. <sighs> Dropped the beer off to the treatment center. I, I'm a fucking stupid place. You guys are fucked up. Every, right? You know how it is. Sure. sure. And, uh, you know, blame everybody, but, you know, look in the mirror. And, but you know what the funny thing was is I could never look in the mirror. I never realized for those whole three months I never saw myself once in the mirror. I would not look at myself. I, I went there. I said, I'm leaving. I got in the cab, went to the airport. Once again, sat in the beer. Nobody had that. I'm going back. To, talk about insanity, right? <laughs> Repeating the same mistake over and over again, but expecting different results. So then I come, then I go back. And then she's just like, you know, I need you to go upstairs and ask everybody what's changed. And so I went upstairs and, you know, I was like, oh, I changed all these things. And I got in my room and I thought of two things. I'm clean and sober and going to meetings. That's it. And I'm like, how could this be? Like, what? What? So then she was like, asked the people around, and I was a bully. So I asked the guys that, you know, were scared of me. They said, yeah, yeah, Jay, you changed. Self gratification right away, like taking the blast to crack. Right? Yeah, fucking right to change. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> right? Like, fuck you, coward. I'll fuck show you. And, uh, right? Like, so that's how it was. And then I got to the counselor, and she's like, Jay, look at yourself. You're going around the treatment center asking people if you've changed. Your life is unmanageable. At that moment, I heard my head pop out of my ass. You know that? That, that is the worst sound in the world. The worst sound. You know why? Because now all of a sudden you know you're selfish, self-centered, ego, and your pride has ran your whole entire life. You couldn't hear anything anybody was saying because it was all about you. And I was that minute, I was scared. I all of a sudden just became so scared of like, holy fuck, I know I can't deal with the outside light. Like, how am I like, no, 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 no. I went downstairs and, and begged to stay in Gio, Giovanni, who had 23 years sober, uh, was my counselor, this old Italian lady. She said, okay, I'll give you one chance. You're going to do it my way. The minute you decide to buck, you're out of here. I'll do whatever you want. Oh, save me, Lord. <laughs> so I, I went up, this is important. I went upstairs and, uh, for the first time in my life, I got on my hands and knees and prayed. This prayer came out of my mouth. I think it's just been, it was a, it's my own prayer, this culmination of just going to meetings and being around, right? And, and this prayer, you know, God, give me the strength, courage, hope, and faith I need. Keep believing in me, trusting me, having faith in me, keep loving and caring about me unconditionally. Give me patience, tolerance, understanding, forgiveness, compassion, and acceptance of other people's struggles along with my own. Let me love myself, like myself, care about myself enough to move forward in a positive direction. Let me live in the day the moment to live on life's terms my lord i turn my will and my life over to care of you today and guide me in my recovery never give up keep living the dream that came out of my mouth out of nowhere at the bottom of my bed in treatment got in my bed fell asleep woke up looked in the mirror i see this little smile out of the corner of my eye on my face and i'm like that is when the journey the journey of recovery truly, truly started. That is when I took acceptance of everything that I ever did. I accepted everything that I ever did. It was nobody's fault but my own. I took responsibility for myself. I stayed at the treatment center another month and a half, really worked on myself. I realized that, you know, it's an inside job, not an outside job. And I have to have, I have, to have the uh, toolkit of recovery full. I can't have it a quarter full or a half full or, right, because... If I'm just going to go half full, I'm going to use. If I'm only going to put one foot in, I'm going to use. If I'm only going to put one toe in, I'm going to use. So I had to go all in. And, uh, you know, so at nine months, I was looking at this five years in prison. I had gone, come out, you know, and, and anyway, so I, I went back to Kenora. And I was actually I was okay with it. I was like, okay, I'm going to do three years. I'm going to be almost four years sober when I get out. I'm like, I can do this. I can do this. You've come this far. You've, you, you, you've broke down. You broke the walls. 
you got help, you started working the steps, you started getting fucking honest with yourself, you started doing what you had to do for Jay. And it was about Jay fixing Jay, getting Jay right. Yeah. And when Jay can get right, Jay can help other people. But if Jay's not right, Jay can't help himself. He can't help anybody. So I, I fly back to Kenora. I go to I go to the court, and Judge Fraser goes, "Where's Jay?" Was gray, you know, screaming, yelling, swearing, ripped jeans. You're wearing a suit, yes sir, no sir. Five years in prison turned into eighteen months probation. He said, "I never seen a guy work so hard on his life, and in my whole entire life of being a judge in Kenora, I've never seen anybody work so hard to get their life back in such a short period of time." And he allowed me to fly back to Ottawa and follow my dream to be a chef. Uh, right after that, I enrolled myself into Algonquin College to be a chef. I pursued this dream of being a chef. And I started my, I was starting to call myself the recovering chef. And then my pastry chef, Simone, said, why don't you call yourself Chef Recovery? And I was like, whoa, Chef Recovery. I'm a chef in recovery. I can brand that. So and, and then the rest is history. Serious amounts of ups and downs. I've gone through relationships. Uh, I've, you know, I've had three fiancés. I've now found Ashley, which is, you know, my saving grace. Um, I, I went through multiple jobs. I've worked at many amazing hotels. I've, you know, had the graciousness of, of cooking for celebrities like Wayne Gretzky, Mark Messier, William Shatner. Um, I, you know, I've, I've been able to help people every single day. I go around and share my story and, and saw what the value was in sharing my story and helping people uh, just by having a voice. And, and it's the voice for the voiceless and the people that are feeling alone. I'm there to tell them they're not alone. And, you know, if I can do this, you can do this. And, you know, all the way going to, you know, then having destiny, my baby, you know, she's, you know, my, my love and you no know, destiny. I'm on a destiny. And, you know, she's turning five on November 26th and uh, that's awesome. just, just my life. You know, I own my own business, Freshwater Cuisine and, you know, almost five years I've owned my own business and, you know, top awards all across Ontario and now we're into the States and, you know, back into MLM. So I'm into network marketing with this health, the, this health and wellness uh, and we're actually are both in business together with it and, you know, just the, the journey, you know, the journey is awesome. And I didn't want to take up all the time. I probably did like I usually do, but um, no, we're good. I'm, this is great. It's just amazing because I've had a lot of, I've had a lot of uh, downs, you know, even about a year and a half ago, I was ready to hang myself. Uh, and that's, that's in, <clears throat> in recovery. My anxiety and my depression got me so bad. Um, you know, cause it was, it, my anxiety and my depression was the only thing that was, I was, that was holding on to me after I got sober, right. Is I didn't know how to, to, I didn't know how to, I couldn't get rid of it. I didn't want to medicate myself because I didn't like that feeling. So I never took medication. So I kind of like came to this point where I was like, ah, oh, fuck, if I go in a hole, how long is it going to be? Am I going to get out of it? Oh my God, I'm not. And like a year and a half ago, I, you know, I was ready to hang myself again. And now somebody that, you know, just heard what I said, and now you have this amazing life. Well, why would you bring yourself to that point? Anxiety and depression are a very strong thing. And they fucking sneak up on you. It, it doesn't, it's not, it happens gradually and it's sinister. You don't, people don't feel it coming until it, it's got you. It, it's not, so anyone that would say that um, and doesn't have compassion or empathy for someone that's struggling with that as an issue is, it's, it's silly because that's the thing. There are, the tells aren't, noticeable and almost sometimes until it's too late. It's really tragic. Breaks my heart to even say this right now, but I, I look, you know, 
I, I looked at Destiny that day and I looked at her and went, why don't I feel love anymore? And that fucking, that anxiety and depression robbed me of like even trying to love my daughter. And I remember just driving and going and, you know, set up the road. I did the whole fucking thing. The De Norman Dam wasn't going at the time. Then all of a sudden the dam just went, bam! It was like this strike of lightning from God. And I was like, holy shit, what am I doing? And I looked over and there's a, holy shit, I got to go get help. Holy fuck, what's wrong with me? Like it, it snapped me out of the like, And this is a guy that was at like 11 years sober. 11 yeah. years sober. And uh, I went and got help. Uh, I went to the, the same person that took me to the Salvation Army. And I'm very proud to say today that uh, ever since I started this this health and wellness journey that Ashley and I are on and, and these this simple three-way system of these all-natural high-nutritional supplements, my anxiety and depression has gone. I've had not an anxiety spike. I have not had a trigger. I have not had, I've never felt so free. I've never felt so free in my life of like not having the monkeys on my back, this heavy weight all day long of like, oh, yeah. I realized is that, you know, the amount of drug use and alcohol use wore down my serotonin levels in my body. So my natural happy juice in my body that would make me happy just wasn't there. So I'd hit an anxiety or depression and I'd have a real hard time trying to pull myself out. And when I did pull myself out, it took everything I had to pull myself out. And it was so fucking draining, but I got myself out and then I could get to another day and then, I, then I'd start feeling better. But what I didn't realize is that my serotonin levels in my body were so low when I when I would spike or trigger, it would trigger everything and then it'd just knock me out. So these high nutrition supplements have, have helped my serotonin levels come up. So when I'm used to going into triggers or anxiety, it doesn't happen anymore. I'm just fucking happy all the time. Well, let's be honest. Life is not great right now. I mean, with COVID-19 and, and my business and all kinds of shit going on in the world, like there's like, Right now is the time to be sharing your story. And right now is the time to be helping people. And right now is the time to be sharing about anxiety and depression and alcoholism and drug addiction. And right now is the time to be, you know, really breaking the voice for the voiceless because there's a lot of stuff going on. Yet I'm holding it together in a way that I've never held my life together before ever in the last 100 and what, what's it been like four and a half months? I don't even remember. It's important for people to know that if get help, the main takeaway here is if you're struggling or concerned or you have suicidal thoughts or you're thinking of relapsing or if you're drinking too much, whatever, whatever it might be, get help. It's okay to ask for help. Get help. Call someone that loves you. Call. There's plenty of 800 numbers. I will have some in the show notes. There are places to go that you can reach out where they're going to help you. They're not going to judge you. So take solace in that, that, that you can make it. And even someone like Chef Jay, uh, recovery chef. Um, so 11 years sober, right? There's hard days, 11 years in a day in. You have to continue to put the work in. That was a really awesome fucking journey that you just shared. And I really appreciate that. I don't get surprised very often. I was surprised at very large portions of that. I learned a lot. Thank you very much for sharing and your openness in sharing because not a lot. That's take some fucking balls, man, to put everything out there you just described. So anyone listening, if Chef can do it, you can do it too. That's well, fucking that's, great, man. That's the, that's the uh, so for me, I need to, if I can just help one person. Yeah. You know, I've done I've done everything I've had to do possible on this earth, and I can 
uh, I can go to sleep with that. So why don't you crank your story open quick? <laughs> I know, I know, that's a hard one to come behind. That's so As a funny transition, I was a best man for my friend at a wed- at at his wedding, and the bride's sister, accomplished attorney, incredibly intelligent, incredibly well spoken, and gave the best fucking speech ever. And then I'm up next and my buddy at the table right next to where I'm walking up, he's like, I would really hate to have to speak after that speech. Yeah. And I'm like, thanks a fucking lot, man. <laughs> and so, and I'm going into this thinking this, how am I going to, there's no way I'm going to be. And she of course was amazing. Who knows? I, I failed in comparison, but if you're going to fail in comparison, it was great to fail into this wonderful speech of hers. So I say that knowing that, you know, that's probably a bad story to tell right now, Ashley, but just know that I did okay in the speech. Not as good as her, but I did fine. And I'm I'm really curious to hear your story. You did really good because you spoke and your voice was heard, Anthony, and that's the main thing. So, you know, the best thing is, is that Ashley gets to speak and Ashley gets to tell her truth that's to somebody right. that's going to hear her that feels alone. And that person that feels alone is going to go, holy cow, you know, this girl only has 14 months. And that was what was exciting about the recovery couple is because she was like five, she was like six months clean and sober. <laughs> she was six months. And I was like, this is perfect because she can, you know, I gave her my six, I, I was looking for my six month keychain and I couldn't find it. I'd given it to my grandfather and I found it in my grandfather's room because I'm living in my grandfather's place because he passed away. And I give her my six month medallion and my seventh and my eighth and my ninth. And I gave her my one year medallion. And, you know, so I was just like, this is amazing that Ashley can share her story at so young in recovery, so young, like so fucking young. And, you know, Cause I wasn't doing, I wasn't sharing, like I was going to meetings and sharing my story, but I didn't start like, I didn't start like publicly speaking, like hospitals, institutions and stuff like that till I was like a year and a bit. And then all of a sudden somebody was like, Hey, I'll pay you 50 bucks to speak. And I'm like, wait, 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 you, you want to pay me money to hear me talk? What? I was like, $50, bro. I thought I won the jackpot. I was like, holy fuck. You just paid me $50 to hear that shit. What? No, there's power in it, man. I can see why you have an accomplished speaking career because it's people want to, I want to listen to you, you know, and it's great. So Ashley, I'm curious to hear your story. How did you, you can start wherever you'd like, of course, feel free, but maybe what what was life like a little bit like pre-addiction and then what was addiction like? The more I go on, I'm learning more about myself. So I've actually been able to like pinpoint kind of where, where my, my story started or where I can remember it. And it's when I was, and it's funny cause Jay, I also had a name change when I was younger. Um, and I also had divorced parents and I also had, you know, um, an absent father. So my, uh, my last name started as Brisson and now it's Bokaj. Um, and same reasons, you know, my mother, my mother changed my, my, my last name back to her maiden name to protect me. And also I think in spite of my father. Right. So, um, but I didn't get to meet my, my dad until I was seven years old. Um, and I remember this and I think this is where my, I'm not good enough started coming. My, one of my older sisters took me to my dad's, um, and I hadn't seen him in five years and, um, brought me up the stairs and he looked at my sister and said, who are you babysitting? He didn't even know who I was. So it was kind of when that moment, I and I still remember that. So I think that's where my story began of why don't you love me? Why, you know? And so that went on for years and years. And I remember growing up wondering where my dad was. 
you know, and then he came back into my life in and out, in and out. So he was never a constant, you know, and he did the best he could. And he was an alcoholic himself. And now I understand that. Um, at the time, I didn't. So right. it was always that. And, you know, I blame my mom a lot for that, um, from keeping me from him, not letting me see him, but she was just trying to protect me. Um, so there, you know, that went on for years. And then I actually got to live with him. When I got older, she finally gave in and, and let me live with him. And, you know, and I got to see a different side of him. But I always put him on that pedestal, you know, like there was always that pedestal of he was this great man or I make these stories about why he couldn't see me or couldn't be in my life and lot of that just to make it OK. You know, and as that went on, um, I got pregnant at a very young age. Um, I was 17 when I had my oldest daughter. You know, so didn't get much of a teenage life, I would say, and grew up really fast, but wanted to, you know, I would still party every once in a while and stuff. And I didn't want to give up that, that lifestyle. I guess I wanted to be with my friends and this, but it had to be a mom and, you know, sure. try to balance that. Right. And that was very hard. And I worked, you know, two, three jobs, you know, to support my daughter, you know, and it was me and her and, and her dad was, you know, absent in her life for you know, a little bit here and there. Great dad now, which is great. But when uh, when it was just her and I did a lot of moving too throughout my life, throughout when I was a youth and, and even as a teenager and, and, and so on with my kid too. Like we moved, we moved all over the place, right? Never really had a home, right? And my mom also remarried and had my younger sister too. So I had a lot of displacement in my life. I didn't know where I fit. And I think been able to to kind of hone in into that and realize, okay, you know, this is kind of where it starts for me, you know, and, and go on so as, you know, as I grew up and stuff like that, um, I met my, you know, now my ex-husband or whatever. And we had, a, I had another daughter and I was married at 23. So I, I, ha- I started very, very young, you know, had the family, had two kids married, you know, so on and so forth by the age of 23 right so you know my brain wasn't even fully developed but you know at 25 right that alone but always wanting that something right because i never felt um i never felt like i was enough or i had something of my own or you know just always always that i'm not good enough nobody loves me why you know so i had a lot of negativity growing that and that was always in the back of my head and i still struggle with that from time to time to this day but i'm also able to recognize it a lot you know, a lot quicker and I cope with it. And, and, you know, I've learned a lot of things over the years. I would say, you know, I, as I got older, I found that my, you know, I always partied a little bit here and there. And when I drank, you know, I could never just drink one. I had to have that. And, you know, I didn't drink all the time when my kids were younger. It's, I found as I got older, right? I moved to Kenora, I don't know, I want to say about 11 years ago, I've lived in Kenora. um, And I really found, I got to reinvent myself kind of, right? So nobody knew who I was here. Um, You know, I would party out of town, I would come in here, nobody knew, right? So there is that. And then I I don't know when it happened, but I also got into the industry. I also started waitressing, right? And I think that's kind of where my my addiction in that sense took off and, and what that happened. And my partying really, really started to get out of control. I was able to hold a job. I've been able to hold, you know, I held a job throughout the whole time. Um, but, you know, you, like you said, you know, you party till 6 a.m., you go to work at 7. I was holding two jobs, right? Stuff like that. So, and that's yeah. continued for years and years and years and years, you know, and I want to say probably one of my best friends, we worked together, he lived together, and he passed away suddenly. Um, and I think that was kind of like my turning point of when I stopped, you know, I stopped caring in a sense, or I just gave up. I had about five people. So I had five people back up a little bit and six months passed away. And I also found out my mom had breast cancer. Um, so it was a lot of like a lot of trauma and a lot of grief and a lot of, you know, and I just couldn't, I couldn't, 
I couldn't manage. I couldn't, I didn't know. I just checked out. And that's when, when things started to get really, really out of control for me. I came to a point where I lost my kids. I almost lost, you know, I almost lost my life a couple of times, uh, physical abuse, mental abuse, you know, verbal abuse, so on and so forth. And, and what you go through, um, lost all my family, my friends, um, was really, truly alone. And I never got to a point where I wanted to end my life, but I didn't want to be who I was. I just didn't want to be me. I didn't want to wake up and be me. Right. So a lot of that, and that went on for a really, really long time came to a point when I was walking and I fell into a ditch, actually, this is kind of like my, one of my rock bottoms, I should say, but the one that kind of got me to where I am today. So I fell into a ditch and I don't know how long I was there. No idea. It was pitch dark. It was on a side road. Um, I don't know how I got out of it. I remember glimpses of somebody picking me up. I remember getting home and then I woke up and I wasn't at home. Like I have no clue. And then that was kind of my moment of, holy fuck, (laughs) you know? I got to that point and I said, okay, okay, I need help, right? So, you know, and graciously I had, you know, I have a wonderful work family that I was able to be honest with and I said, I need some help, you know, and they they stood behind me and stuck behind me and they've been behind me the whole time, you know, and and have and cheered me on. Um, and it took a while, it took me a while to get into treatment and I don't know if it's just where we are and stuff, but it took me about three months to, to get from start to finish. And, and I held on though, like I kept going to the meetings, I needed to go to counseling and so on and so forth to be able to get accepted into um, to Timmins. I went to the Jubilee Centre in Timmins, Ontario. Um, wonderful, wonderful treatment centre, but I don't know if you've ever seen the movie 28 Days with Sandra Bullock. So, I haven't. Okay, so it's a, it's, a, it's a treatment, like it's about rehab and stuff. So I had it in my head, right, that there's like horses and there's canoeing and there's like, you know, I have in my head. There's birds, yeah, whatever. <laughs> I can do this, I can do this, right? So I go to treatment and I'm in like, um, a, a, it was a, a redone like all boys school for church and so I'm in a basement there's no like real windows it's like neon green and purples and like <laughs> and it's that mason block wall right oh, that they fucking yeah, paint over and it's like you know and I was like oh my god what am I into and the pictures didn't look like they did on the website and there's no lake like I'm like what is that <laughs> and there's no fucking birds here what the fuck is going on yeah, <laughs> yeah there's just nothing when where's Sandra Bullock god damn it like <laughs> well, like, so, like you know I went there and and you know and in my head when I went I, I didn't go I didn't go to treatment for myself like I really didn't yeah. when I started the whole process I went to get my kids back I went to get you know so I could keep my job and as facts right like if I don't go I'm gonna lose my job so I mean in my career you know I'm, I'm very thankful and for what I do I love what I do so but you know my kids my kids were very important but I didn't go for me, which was, if I could go back, I would. And I mean, I, I learned a lot though. Like, you know, they, they, they talk about that stinking thinking, which I'm like, this is child. But I remember it. It's like the things and, you know, like I learned, they took the fun out of using, you know what I mean? Cause I thought after days, like honest to God, I thought after 30 days, I'm going to be cured. Everything's going to be great. I'm going to have the best life. It's going to go back to normal. And that's it. I put 30 days in, right? I had no clue. And it was the longest 30 days of my life. Like, I'm like, how am I going to do day one? How am I going to do day two? Like, I had no, 
I thought it was forever, you know, and now I look, I'm like, it was 30 days, but you know, like it was, it was a very hard, it was hard. Like, and it was a very strict place. Like it was once a week, 10 minute phone calls, you know, like it was like, there was no communication with the outside world. I thought it was going to die. I learned a lot about myself. Um, I also did, you know, treatment was a great place to start. I didn't take it as if I could go back now, I would just to go for more of, I would be very much into it. Like I found it was a place to get clean you know, and get a little bit of clean time and kind of remember what people are saying. And there's lots of stuff I do remember now that I, I, I do, I didn't that I do now, like I understand it gave me kind of two feet on the ground. So I could start. Right. But, um, that was not my first, I relapsed after it. (laughs) So here's my thing. I relapsed 90 days after thinking I can drink. I'm not going to use, but I can drink. We only have one. Uh, Yeah. Right. Yay. Yay. That, that, that didn't work. (laughs) Well, so, um, and that went on for a while. Like I, I did it in 2018. I went to treatment and so it lasted 90 days. And then my, like my drinking and using continued after that. It wasn't as hard, um, but it, it, it was going, it was going in that direction. Right. So what had happened was um, it was actually somebody else's relapse that actually brought me to where I am today, which is a, it's a beautiful thing because if it wasn't for that moment of watching myself going and I could see it happening, but I couldn't stop it. I, I didn't know what was going to happen. And it was in that moment of watching that person relapse. And I'm like, I can't do this anymore. I can't do this anymore. You know? So it, it took me to where I am today and, and I haven't looked back since, you know, I've had moments and, you know, I've got lots of things going on in my life, but it's life and I know how to cope with it today. Whereas before I would have ran the other, like the other way so fast. Right. Yeah. That's kind of where my story is, you know, and I wouldn't change it for the world now. Um, there's probably tons. I, well, there's tons I missed. It's, you know, first time doing it, but um, you did well. It was great. The one thing that I like about what you said is this might sound a little strange, but the, the fact that you went in where you were hoping to meet Sandra, Miss Bullock, right? Um, and you were there for three, for 90 days. It was You said 90 days, right? I was there for 28 days. I stayed sober for 90 days. So, okay. So forgive me, but 28 days. But what, what I think the main takeaway here is for, for the listeners is that keep going until you get there. Like, don't, don't give up, like keep going. And when you stumble, because listen, it's fucking hard. It yeah. is hard. And your people, people have to realize that you have to forgive yourself. You have to move forward just like you did. And if, had you not kept going, even though you relapsed, look at how, where you're at today. And it's the journey, the whole fucking journey. And there's no, anyone that gives you shit because you stumbled, pick yourself up, you dust yourself up, you learn from it, you move on just like you did. And that's, that I think is what I mentioned earlier is the the beauty and the transformation. And I think it is a process and you're ready when you're ready. And I'm not saying that people should go running off to the bar or their drug dealers. What I am saying though, is work the process, take time to, I had 40 years of addiction that I had to recover from and I'm still recovering from it, but those are, that's a lot of fucking bad habits to break. Yeah. A lot of bad habits. So my knee jerk reaction if something's going great, let's get some champagne and some cocaine. If something's yeah. going terrible, let's get some champagne and cocaine and cigarettes and whatever. Yeah. Um, and you have to change that reaction, just like you both described and both have. And, and, and I love that. And I think that that's the best part. That's what I love about the show is hearing those moments when it's about not giving up. It's about accepting yourself. It's about being okay with your failures and in learning from them along the way. Yeah, and she's quit smoking too. She quit smoking now. Next Sunday will be three months. Three months. That's awesome. 
Yeah. That's a big deal. And that's the other thing I was thinking about a lot of people like, how do you define clean? And I say, well, it's, it's addict specific. And cause some people can still smoke pot or still have cigarettes and be fine. And I'm not one of those people yeah. clean for me is I've, I can't, if I have one fucking drink, I'm yeah. fucked. Yeah. And, and you know, so I can't, for me, clean like, is, yeah, what about the scope or the mouthwash or the fucking cough syrup or anything? Give me the Buckley's. <laughs> yeah. Well, I had to, I had to be careful. Like I started drinking compulsively espressos in yeah. the morning and, and then that would go, I would drink it all day. And then I'd have eight, 10, 12 espressos. Then I, I hit the brakes. I'm like, this is because it, it gave me, if you stack them enough, it, this isn't gladiator school, but you, I, I was drinking them compulsively and I'd get the, the rip from after a while that you would do on the come down a blow and it, you got that jittery thing and all that crap. Yeah, they with the energy drinks. Yeah. And so I had to, I, now I'm down to just, I have one double cappuccino in the morning and then I have tea, non-caffeinated tea in the afternoon. Oh. And, and I do that intentionally because like you described earlier, that if, if, if one's enough, a whole lot's got to be fucking great. And then that, so I had to be careful with the, the espresso uh, and stuff. So I curb that. But what I'm saying is people, their definition of clean. I, I watched this video today of a, a dude and I'm not going to say who he was or anything. Cause that's not important, but he was ripping AA apart about how bad it sucked and this and that and talking shit. And I'm like, first of all, like, fuck you, man. Like you, you don't get to say what is or isn't good. Fuck off. Like, I think people's journey is their journey. And if it's AA for them, then God bless. If it's not AA, then fine. But I think that's the one part that I never get, um, that people get stuck in their path. And none of my guests, have they've all been very open. And this is anyone's path is their path. But some people I talk to are like, if, you, if you're if you not a 12-stepper or if you are a 12-stepper, you suck, whichever side of the coin they want to talk about. So I say that because my hope is that, you know, all of our journeys are different, but they're all kind of the same. We've got the same threads and narratives in there. And then we've all recovered in different ways. And I think people should just take that to heart. That's the key. I know the same thing. I've, I've heard like, you know, people used to jack up on me. Why aren't you going to meetings? Why aren't you doing that? Why aren't you doing this? And I said, you know, hey, for A, I'm clean and sober. <laughs> for two, yeah. If I can stay clean and sober by having a meeting every single day with somebody or 20 people a day and I don't have to go to the meeting. Right. Guess what? You're addicted to the meeting. So why don't you look in the mirror and take a look that you're addicted to the meeting? But I'm not going to tell you that because that's how you're staying clean and sober. So proud of you for doing that. People's path is their path. They yeah. should embrace it and love that. Be open and helpful and give people what they might need at that moment. And the that's for the empathy and stuff. Uh, everyone's got such a different story. I had another lady. She was a compulsive eater on the show, Cindy. She's wonderful. And she had said that you know some people would say it, she doesn't really have an addiction because it's not alcohol or drugs. And what, how ridiculous is that? I mean, something that is openly consumed and given with love most of the time, right? I mean, you go to people's homes, they want to give you food and stuff. And how hard of an addiction to overcome is that? I got to tell you, if they don't give you bags of cocaine, they give you fucking cupcakes and cake and shit, you know? So that's the part that I, I always say, like, how dare you judge people for what they're challenged with? Fuck off. Like the one thing that I don't know why it bothers me so much, but this sober curious thing, because people minimize the work almost. And I hate to say it. And people want to get sober, do what you got to do. I love that. But the sober, there's a, a hashtag that was going around sober curious for a while. 
And it, I just found it, it, maybe this is me being an asshole, but I, I found it kind of ridiculous. Like, don't put, don't, don't minimize the struggle, man. This is a fucking bitch. It's well, hard. Think, well, I think a lot of people, you know, what I've learned throughout my, my, my journey. And I think the coolest, the coolest thing is, is like when you go stand up in front of 25, 3000 people and you just crack wide open for 45 minutes and you kind of have your eye on one or two people in the crowd. That's just kind of how, how, you know, like I'm always like that fucking person is looking down or, you know, yeah, that's one of those people. Yeah. I'm going to change that person around because I'm going to keep my eyes on him or yeah. her. It's, it's always, it always amazes me at, at the end when, you know, cause they always, you always do the meet and greet and wow. Like, thank you so much for that. Now I understand. Like I've been, you know, I don't want to say I was judging people before, but I didn't realize how difficult this was. Like I, I thought, you know, because I can just have one drink a year. I didn't realize that it was this hard to, dude how are you alive and i'm like and i always say you know i'm like you never you know you got to put your foot in somebody else's shoes and you can't judge a person by its book and when you look at its cover and, and when you look at somebody you don't know how much pain they're going through because you can't right. tell and you know if you're not willing to give everybody a chance and you know i believe in every single buddy i everybody is worth it to me I, it doesn't matter who you are it doesn't matter where you are it doesn't matter what you're doing i believe in everybody and everybody's worth it we're all struggling with pain in some way, whether you're feeling that hole or negating the pain with alcohol or drugs or food or whatever it is, porn. And that's the pain. In Hoarding's a big one. Like I, I started a garbage business. I've, I've watched people, like we were at this lady's house and she was getting mad. She called us over to take her garbage and she was pointing <laughs> yeah. at the garbage and she's like, don't take that fucking garbage. And I'm like, you just this man i'm sorry you like, called me here like i didn't just yeah, knock like, over <laughs> i'm like do you want me to take these empty cheese like she had these empty cheese whiz jars and she was like take them and i had them halfway up the road she's like fucking let go of my cheese whiz jars and i'm like holy realizing that you know and i didn't get upset with her i put her cheese whiz jars down she had this bicycle she drove from Kenora to mexico she told me this little old lady she had to be six holy shit she said this. I don't know if it's true or not, but anyways, anyways, I'm like, well, maybe you, you know, so I'm like, maybe you don't want to let go of the bike. This this bike seems like it might be like <laughs> she's like taking over to Mexico from fucking Ontario. You know, like I'm in my mind now, going, fuck, am I taking this girl's? Yeah, life? I'm not taking this bike. Garbage, fuck, I don't want to go in her house. Then she's telling me to take this old doghouse and the don't take my old wood in the core. And I'm like, okay, so you know, I'm so like I'm compassion in my mind because yeah. I struggle with addiction, and I go. You know, and I, I got in the truck with my partner and I was just like, yeah, I understand her struggle. Like she, she, you know, that'd be like you trying to rip the crack pipe out of my hand and tell me, no, that'd be like you trying to take the cold Budweiser in my hand. No, that'd be like you trying to take the Seagram's 83. That's, you know, tattooed on my leg. No. So, I, you know, um, so it's like, you know, and I, I remember I got out of the truck and I said, you know, I hope you have a great day and, and just know if you need help, I'm here to talk to. And she said, you know, I thank you for all your help and I'm sorry I was upset. And I said, hey, listen, I just put my hand on her shoulder and I just said, you know, I understand the struggle. That was it. I just got in the truck and I drove away and we, we don't know what we're going through today for a person to, you know, and I've always said, you know, if you're judging somebody, there's three fingers pointing back at you. So exactly. when you're pointing at somebody, there's always three coming back at you. So you're judging yourself through those people. And you are speaking of yourself, of those people, because you're pointing at yourself. 
and you're taking your anger out on somebody else because you have so much anger and you don't know how to work on that because you're not allowing yourself to go through the process, right? So really what happens is fear drives ego, ego drives fear. When you fall into that cycle, then all of a sudden you run into self-sabotage, you run into self-doubt. So now you start self-doubting yourself. So once you run into self-doubting yourself, now you're into self-sabotage. So once you're into self-sabotage, now you just don't give a fuck. If you try to put people in an inferior position to you, or you always have to feel superior or whatever, to, like that's just horseshit, man. Like, you know, unfortunately, I, I'm sad to say that part of my addiction was to cover up who I really was and, and I would hide it behind materialism and in things and being judgy and, and just an asshole. People liked me, but I would always, you know, talk shit and it's just ridiculous. And I'm embarrassed to say that, but I, I'm a different person now. Part of what I'm very proud of is I've learned a lot about how big of an asshole I was. And I'm trying to give back now and, and, and embrace that in a good way. So that's, it's been quite a journey. You know, I, I've had uh, good days and bad days and struggles, but I, I get to learn so much. Every time I host a show, I learn a ton from my guests and I, I really have learned a lot from you both. And it was been an hour and a half, by the way, that's, we've been talking a long time. I mean, that's, and it feels like five minutes. Very well spoken and empathetic when you speak in terms of being able to share your story openly with warmth and humility, which is very important, as all of my guests have. I've been really lucky finding great guests. I don't know how I'm doing it, but I also I think that's when you do the right thing, the right things happen to you. So I think that that's a big part of our getting connected. So um, thank you both for you know making my day, and, and this has been tremendously valuable to me. So thank you so much. Well, th- thank you for having us, and I'm glad I, f- I found you. And uh, you know, I listened to I listened to your story, and. Uh, you know, I was, uh, I was like, yeah, I, I got to get in touch with this dude. And, um, Thank you. You know, and, and you're, you're doing great, bro. Like, you're spreading the message. And you talk about karma. That's what it is. Karma's coming back to you. You're getting people on the show. And, and it's about sharing the message, right? Like, it's, it's really at the end of the day, it's getting to the person that feels alone at home and letting them know they're not alone. It doesn't matter what you're going through. You're never alone. You know, if through you... And all the guests you have, you save one person, bro. You, you've, you've, you've done more than anybody in this world could ever do. So, you know, we're just out here to help people. That's right. That's the whole thing. And I'm going to have all the ways to reach you both in the show notes, email addresses, links to um, the Facebook Live events and, and everything else. Uh, and this has been great. And I thank you both He's so much for having, having brightened my day and, and helping any of the listeners out there that took time to listen, which I think will be quite a lot. So thank you. Awesome. Thanks for having us. My pleasure.